We are in a series on the I Am's of Jesus Christ. Uh, in the Gospel of John, John writes the Gospel to show that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And in that, in the, and as he reflects and, he, and as he reports on the life of Jesus, he identifies in the Gospel of John seven times where Jesus uses the phrase, I am blank. Uh, last week we talked about I am the bread of life, and we talked about what that meant. The um, I am statement goes back to the Old Testament. When Moses was going to lead the children of Israel out of, the prom uh, out of Egypt into the promised land, Moses looked at God and said, God, who do I say sent me? Sent me. And God told Moses, you tell them I am that I am sent you. In other words, the idea was, Moses, you just tell them that I'm the self-existent one. They don't need to know anything other than the idea that I'm going to take care of them. I am the one who is the A, I am. And then he links it to the word Jehovah, which was a very sacred, revered name for God in the Jewish world. So when Jesus is, is speaking, when Jesus is talking, and Jesus uses this statement, you know, if I were to look at you and say, you know, I'm the pastor at Holly Spring, you're going to focus on Pastor Holly Spring. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, they focus on the I am because they're equating that with God. And so he's giving them a, an aspect of God. And so we talked about last week the idea of the bread of life. Um, this morning, um, we're going to look at, at, at the second of those statements. And um, the, the statement that we're going to look at is when Jesus describes himself as, I am um, the light of the world. And so as we, as we get to it, let me give you a little bit of background first about light so we've got a good framework for what we need to understand. Light is a big, important concept in the Bible. You see it, first of all, in Genesis, where, where God creates light. Um, you see a next, the next big emphasis really comes when, in the life of the children of Israel, where, where God leads them during the day with a pillar of fire uh, um, at night and a cloud during the day. So they, they actually follow this light. It becomes a, a, a really big theme. In, um, in the uh, New Testament then we see Jesus actually early in John where he talks about him being the light of the world. And then uh, when we get to the book of Revelation, it's interesting. One of the things it says about heaven is that there's no light because there's no need for light because God is the light. Uh, so we kind of see this concept going all the way from Genesis to Revelation. When we get to the Gospel of John and we get to Jesus' uh, statement, um, I, I want to give you, before we get to the statement, I want to give you the background because I, I'm a big believer that whenever you look at a passage, whenever you look at the Bible or a Bible story, know what's before it, know what's after it. Understand the context. Because it's easy to grab something in the Bible and yank it out of context. So you've really got to understand the setting and the context to make sure that you, you grasp the story. So when you come to John chapter 8, um, it's a very interesting story. Jesus has been at um, the, the, the Mount of Olives. He's come down. He's come into the temple area. And as Jesus is in the temple area, he is teaching. And so when John chapter 8 starts, and it talks about Jesus' teaching, um, and, and here's what you need to understand. In, in, in our culture... I am standing and you are sitting, right? Okay. In, in that culture, it was just the opposite. I sat and you stood. Okay. 
So often the teacher was the one sitting, the students were the one who were standing. All right? And that's what we find in John chapter 8. Um, Jesus is sitting, Jesus is teaching. So he's sitting there and he is uh, teaching like this. Everybody is standing. And while he is teaching, they bring a woman caught in the act of adultery. Now, that should tell you immediately that if she was caught in the act of adultery, how many people were involved? Two. And they bring one. All right? So it tells you they had an agenda anyway. So the Pharisees and the the, the, the scribes, they bring this woman, and they look at Jesus, and they say, Moses said... She should be stoned. What do you say, Jesus? And he plays in the sand. Writing. Be fascinating to know what he's writing. You know, I think it would be awesome to know, but we don't know. And he writes in the sand. And they're standing there, waiting. Jesus does it. The text says, it's up. He who is without sin cast the first stone. And it says, they started to walk away one by one, the oldest to the youngest. And then Jesus stands up. <clears throat> Woman, and that wasn't a derogatory term, where are your accusers? There's nobody here, Jesus. Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. He didn't say go and keep doing what you're doing. He said go and change your life because we believe that when we encounter Christ, it, it, it insists that we start to change our lives in accordance with what God wants. And he looks at her and says, go and sin no more. And then I assume, the text doesn't say this, but I assume now that he goes back to sitting down. And as everybody's standing around watching, okay, because again, you know, this is, I mean, this is like, he's made a point. Here's what he says. Again, Jesus spoke to them. I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm the light of the world. Now, there's a lot of debate over what this meant and what he was referring to. Okay? And so there's two big realms of thought. I'm going to tell you which one. You're going to know which one I like because it's the one that I think makes the most sense. But um, some people think that this is a reference to the children of Israel. You know what? I kind of like this idea. This is an awesome way to preach, honestly. You know, I need you guys to stand up. I'll just do this for the rest of the day. Um, But, I mean, it's one of these things where... One idea is that he's referring to the light that led the children of Israel in the wilderness, okay? Um, because chapter four deals with, or chapter six deals with manna. 
Chapter 7 deals with water. Chapter 8 then deals with this. So, so some people like that analogy. I, here's, what, here's the one I like, and here's the one that I think is, is um, probably a whole lot more applicable, and that's this. When you understand what was happening in Jerusalem at the time that Jesus speaks this, I think it makes a lot more sense, okay? Because at the time that Jesus is speaking this, they have just come off of celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, right? Um, so you've got to know a little bit about the Feast of Tabernacles to understand why I, I, I think this is, this is such a profound statement, okay? Um, Here's what happened. The Feast of Tabernacles was a, was a reminder of Israel of coming out of Egypt. So once a year, what Israel would do is they would take a week, seven days, and they would go outside of the city, and they would build booths. They would take sticks and, 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 and uh, you know, palm leaves and all kinds of stuff, and they would build a little structure, and they would live in that for seven days. So they'd move out of house. So think of it as primitive camping, all right? Not the camping you guys do, all right? You know, it's not, you know, pull in your fifth wheel, turn on your air conditioning, set up your satellite dish. It's, that's not what we're talking about. It is, you would go out, you would look at what you have around you, you would make a little hut thing, and you would live in it for seven days. And as the stuff would start to die, it would start to get colder and hotter and all that kind of thing. And, and what would happen is you would you would remind yourself of what your forefathers went through to give you the freedoms that you have. It was a celebration of the idea of we have been given much in this promised land. And let's remember what we came from, that we were in the wilderness for 40 years. So they celebrated this. And this feast involved a number of things. It involved a lot of joyous stuff. Um, it would involve, of course, the booths, the tents or the tabernacles that you would live in. And they would do it outside of the city, okay? And then it involves a ton of sacrifices. Um, to give you a context, Passover, which is probably the big Jewish event in the world, um, they would sacrifice 14, let me get it right, 14 bulls um, on, that, on that Passover day. Um, in the Feast of Tabernacles, they sacrificed 70. Um, one of the accounts of this is there are 336 flower offerings that they made, which were meat offerings. 182 animal sacrifices. So it was a big day of sacrifice, a big week of sacrifices. Okay? But here's what you need to understand, and this is where I think this passage comes into play. At the end of the first day, there was a, here's what would happen. Um, they, they would come down, they, first of all, the young men who were training to be priests, who were going to be priests, would come down to the court of, uh, of women, and they would have four large candelabras, like menorah, you know, you know the, the menorah things, think that way. Um, what they would do is they would have four golden bowls and four ladders. They would then climb the ladders and fill all, the, all of the, the, the candelabra things with oil. The wicks that were in the candelabra deals were the priest, the, the, the priest clothing from the years before. So you know how you, you, you think shop rags. You know how, you know, my wife knows. We don't throw out socks, T-shirts, or towels. They go to the shop, okay, because they become shop rags. 
Well, what they did was when the priest's clothes wore out, they then became wicks for the candelabras for the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay? So they would have these wicks, they would have these things filled with oil, and then on the first day of Tabernacles, they would light them. Okay? So now what would happen is they had this big ceremony and singing and praising and jumping around, all this kind of stuff. So now here's what you have at Tabernacles. You have now for the next seven days, you are camped outside of the city, and at night... You have the candelabras bouncing off of the white limestone walls, lighting that place up like the tabernacle in the wilderness. That's what would happen during the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay? So think about this for a second. You and I, we live in a world where, you know, I mean, even, even if you're out in the country, you've probably got a security light on somewhere. There's a light somewhere around you. There's no lights there. You know, the, the biggest light that you had in Israel that was on at night was your little bitty light at home to go to see, to, to go somewhere in your house. You know, they were not much bigger than this. Think of like a pen flashlight. That's, that's the most light you have because basically in that culture, when the sun went down, you were done. Because oil was expensive. You didn't burn the midnight oil. You didn't keep it going. You shut it off and saved it for important stuff. And so it was, most of the time it was dark. If you're in the Feast of Tabernacles, now it's dark out in the country. So it's not like you have your neighbor's house. So, so, so again, it's this primitive kind of world. But at night, what do you see? The entire tabernacle area is lit up big time. Then... On the last day, at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, they put out the lights. Now that has just happened before Jesus is in this scene. And so what I think Jesus is doing is he's looking at these people who have just experienced tabernacles, who have just gone through this whole thing, and as he's sitting there, and he says, I'm the light of the world. And I would imagine maybe even the menorahs or the candelabras are still set up in the courtyard. Maybe not. I don't know. But all of a sudden, it's a reference to them. Yeah. We understand where you're coming from. Because notice what he says. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. You see, when the lights went out at the end of tabernacles, it was all dark again at night. And he looks at him and he says... I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me doesn't walk in darkness anymore. And he will have the light of life. And as these people stood there, thinking about what they had just seen, what they see every year, I think it made incredible sense to them what he was saying. Jesus says, I am. I'm the light of the world. When I am, they're going, oh, wow, you, know, you don't hear that very often. And when he goes, I am the light of the world. And all of a sudden now, these people are thinking, and I think there's some great lessons for us. Okay? So, um, here we go. Let's talk about this idea of light of the world idea. A couple things about light. Light is something you notice. We have 17 lights on in here right now, 
17 fluorescent things in here. Which one have you been paying attention to? Wait a minute. These are like 80 watts apiece. That's three. Which one are you paying attention to? Let me tell you a little something about this. You know I'm a glass person, and unfortunately, because I'm a glass person, you just have to endure glass stories, so you're going to hear two of them today, so here it goes. Um, was that a, I actually got this in, a, uh, in an antique store here in Sioux City, and I was looking, you know, we were, I don't know, we were just walking around, and I saw this, and it was, it is, it's really unusual. I've watched enough American Pickers to know, if you see something you've never seen before, you buy it, because there's a reason you haven't seen it before. Um, and I love the way it was constructed. I know enough about glass to know this is a very unusual piece. Believe it or not, this thing probably weighs somewhere between five and seven pounds. Okay, it's made, it's made by a guy, um, Peter, uh, I got to remember his name, I had to look it up. Uh, Peter Marsh, um, he's actually from England. He did this technique back in the 40s and 50s. It was called a chunk glass technique. And what he would do is he would, this is actually chunk glass. He breaks it up, he lays it out, he solders the whole thing together. So, there's a, so the solder in here is like this thick. And he solders it all together and he puts it in here. Um, and I saw this piece and it was like 40, 45 bucks, something like that. And I thought, you know what, you know, that's a lot to spend for a, just a cool little light. But I did, I went ahead and did it anyway. Because um, I liked it, you know, and it was unusual. And, and I like that kind of stuff when it comes to glass. And I loved the technique and thought, you know, maybe one day I'll try to make one. Um, and then I did a little bit more research and find out that um, this is kind of a cool deal. Um, there was actually one not in good shape like this on um, one of those uh, antique roadshow things for 500 bucks. Now you go, well, I'd be selling that baby. I didn't want to tell my wife this. But um, no, 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 we're not selling it, okay? It's, it's only worth $500 if I sell it. All right, and I ain't selling it because I like the piece. And so we, this is a nightlight. We actually set this up in our window and that kind of thing in a thing um, at night, and it comes on at 6 o'clock, goes off at 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, but here's the thing. You, you, you've noticed this. Why? Because you notice light. You notice light. And light that's different or unique, you notice even more. You notice this because all the colors. You know, just because of where you're sitting. And as you get closer, you'll start to see all the other colors and all the different designs and all that kind of thing in it. You know why? Because you notice light. When Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, and when he says, you have the light of life, I will put that life in you, that light in you, the world notices, folks. The world notices you, whether you realize it or not. Because another thing about light that you should know is light is incredibly active. Believe it or not, what you are seeing has traveled at 186,000 miles a second to get to the back of your eyeball. Now that's faster than you drove to church today. Okay? Why? Because light is active. You go, well, no, it's just light. No, no, it's active. It is moving at an incredible speed that we don't even comprehend. You see, light has an active element of it. And when you and I are light, what that means is as we go out in the world, there's an active part of what we do that people see and it, and it impacts them. Don't minimize that. 
Don't minimize how that God is, can use you and I as far as that aspect of it. I mean, he says, I'm the light of the world, and that light is, and, and, and you will have the light of life. I will put that in you so you can be active in the world as well. Um, another thing that's, that's important is this, is it is incredibly powerful. Okay? It is incredibly powerful. Um, guys, flip off those lights for a second. Oh, oh wait, I've got to do this too. Okay. Have you noticed something? Have you noticed that there's aspects of it now that you see that you didn't see before? You know why? Because the darker the world, the more powerful it becomes. See, some of you are going, you don't understand, Pastor. I'm the only Christian in my workplace. I'm the only one. What an opportunity. What an opportunity. It can show off all the different aspects of it depending on how you view it. Why? Because it's incredibly powerful. And some of you are going, well, you don't understand. You know, my deal is not that big. I, I'm not that important. People don't pay attention to me. The darker the world, the more you stand out. And the darker the world, the more opportunity you have to be that influence. And you go, yeah, but you don't know how hard it is. It's hard because it's dark. But God allows you to shine in those dark places. Some of you, I don't understand why God has me here. I mean, you know, I, mean, you know, I don't have any encouragement. How powerful can you be with God being that light in your life? And so some of you, I, I know you're frustrated because it's like, you know, well, you know, I mean, I'm around people, I'm around people that swear and take the Lord's name all day long and cuss like sailors and no offense to sailors, um, but I, actually I should say cuss like hog farmers because um, <laughs> of that I understand. Uh, Closest time I, I don't believe you can lose your salvation, but the closest time I ever came to lose my salvation was with a hog. So, um, anyway, because believe me, if you could have lost your salvation, I would have at that moment. Um, but I mean, th this is the idea. The darker the world, the harder it is. The more you shine, the more you have an opportunity to reflect Christ. You take it in a world which everybody's cussing like a sailor or a hog farmer, and you don't cuss, guess what? Do they notice? You bet they do. Everybody else is telling the dirty stories and you walk away. Do they notice? You bet they do. Everybody else is trash talking their spouse and you don't. Do they notice? You bet they do. Everybody else is talking about partying all weekend and you go, yeah, I was at church. You know, turn off the lights. Pastor sat on the platform. You know, they're going, where? What cult are you a part of? Um... You know? But I mean, why? Because you can make a difference. And when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, and in me, in me, you won't walk in darkness. You put your faith and trust in me. You don't walk in darkness anymore. All of a sudden now, you have the light of life in you to make a difference. Okay, guys, turn the lights back off. Um, and this is what he's saying. This is what, yeah, it's like, well, I don't hardly even notice anymore. But you still notice it, don't you? You still notice it. And by the way, like I said, it's a three-watt bulb. 
Three watts versus all of this power that's in here. Why? But you're paying attention to that. And it's no different in the world out there. Here's another thing about light. Last thing. And I think this is probably one of the most important things. Light is not powered from within itself. Um, the reason you notice that is because it's plugged in and turned on. And somewhere, probably in some hydroelectric dam, they're generating electricity that somehow got to some transmission relay place that ended up to Moville, that ended up down the Climbing Hill substation, that ended up to us, that ended up to our electrical panel that went to an outlet that powered that. See, it, it's powered from something else. Um, one of my favorite contemporary glass artists is a guy by the name of Tolan Sands out of California. Um, he does something I'll never, I, I, don't, I don't say I'll never do it, but, but I don't think I ever could do it. Um, um, he takes optical glass and he glues it and laminates it and then polishes it. Um, and, and his pieces, the pieces that he does are incredible. Here's just, here's just a sample um, of one. Okay, this is the kind of stuff he does, and he does sculptures that are, you know, five, six feet tall, and he does little things and blocks that are in museums and everything else. I love, I, I follow this guy on Facebook, and it's amazing the stuff that, that, that comes out of his studio. It's incredibly beautiful. No matter what, 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 where you turn it, it's incredibly beautiful. It takes him months to produce these pieces. Because it's a lot of polishing and a lot of sand, uh, grinding and wet sanding and, and this kind of thing. Here's the thing. It's beautiful right now. It's beautiful right now because it was reflecting light. You know what it looks like if I put it in a pitch black room with no light on it? Can't see it. Why? As beautiful as this piece is, it's not powered from within. You see, there has to be something to reflect. It, there has to be light for it to, to, to reflect. Whether that light's internal, whether that light's external that hits it in certain ways, there ha, there, it, it, it's only beautiful when it reflects light because it's not powered from within. Christ says, go back to the passage, notice what he said. He said, um, oh, wait a minute, oh, I thought I put that in there. Notice what he said. Whoever follows me won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's a personal decision that you and I have to make to put our faith and trust in Christ. He looks at these people and he says, if you want to have that light, be my disciple, follow me. Put your faith and trust in me. It's about a relationship. It's not about rituals. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship, a personal relationship with me. You put your faith and trust in me, and you know what? No longer will you be in darkness, because you will have the light of life. You will have that same light in you to show forth to the world, where you are constantly reflecting what I'm doing. So when the world responds a certain way, you don't have to, because I'm going to give you the power from within to respond differently. When you want to get owie with your spouse, you choose instead to cut them some slack. When you are in a situation where somebody has lied about you and you want to give them a piece of your mind and tell them what you really think, 
You decide instead to keep your mouth shut, to pray for him, to even encourage him, maybe even if you're really, really super close to the Lord, bless them. And I mean that in a good way, okay? My wife's from the South. There's a saying, let me tell you this, just, okay, here's what you need to, when, when a Southerner says, bless your heart, that is not a compliment. Okay, there is, it, there is something behind that that is not, oh, bless your heart, or bless her heart. Um, and, and so it, it's not that kind of idea. It's the idea, no, I really want God's bust for you. I really want to, I'm, I'm going to try to respond in a, in, in a way. Why? Because of the power within me. When life gets hard, when stuff gets thrown at you, and the world loses hope, you can have hope. When your world goes all to pieces, you can still have peace in the midst of chaos. When everything starts to fall apart around you, you can know that God's in control and you'll get through it and it will be okay and that God will help you give you the power and the strength through it. You can reflect that, that to the world that is watching. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. It's quiet, but powerful. It's active, it's something that you notice, and it's something that God does from within you that the world sees. My challenge to you first is twofold. First of all, if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, understand it is about following the person of Jesus Christ. It is about putting your faith and confidence in Him and Him alone. Thrilled that you're here. It's not about church. It's about putting your personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The people that I've talked about today, that we are laid to rest, were people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It was not about who they were or what they did. It was about the fact that they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And at every one of those funerals, the encouraging thing for me is that as I go, I can look at it and say, I'll see him again. As hard as it is to, um, that we have lost Joyce, I realize that Joyce is now with Doc, and that Joyce is now with Doug, and that I will see her again. As hard as that is, I know that it, tomorrow or this week will not be goodbye, it will be till we meet again. And that is an incredible assurance because of our faith and trust in Christ. So first of all, make sure that, like he said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Second thing is this. For those of you who have put your faith and trust in Christ, here's my question to you. What kind of light are you? Are there areas in your life that you need to be brighter? Are there areas in your life where you're struggling because you're depending on your own power instead of God's power to help you? Are there areas that you're struggling right now because you're thinking you can do it instead of allowing God to do it through you? It's just, it's just like me. Um, okay. There we go. Hey, that worked out pretty good. It's, it's, it's not dependent on the power anymore. 
That's a hunk of lead with a bunch of chunks of glass in it. But what happens when it really trusts and depends on the power from somewhere else? Bingo. And that's what God wants to do in your life. Even if you're in a dark place. Even if you're in a difficult place where there's not a lot of people who are encouraging you to do what's right. Be a light. Christ said, look, that's why I've come. I'm the light of the world. And you know what? If you'll follow me, you can be a light in this world too. And I will use you. Quietly, powerfully, I will use you. So my encouragement to you is to really allow God to do that this week. So I end with this. Jesus is the light of the world. And he gives us the responsibility to be his light in this dark world. We need to be dependent on him and allow us to act in ways that reflect him. Reflect Christ in all you do this week and be a light so that people can see your Christ. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, thanks for taking some practical things and making them applicable in our lives. Lord, sometimes we get discouraged because we try to do stuff on our own power and our own strength. And just help us to realize, Lord, that you can work in and through us if we'll depend on you. Lord, for some who may be trusting in something other than you, would you help them to understand that, Lord, you desire a personal, real relationship. Not just simply ritual or religion or jumping through a set of hoops to try to please you, but, Lord, the only thing that pleases you is a personal relationship in which you are our Lord and our Savior. So help us, Lord. Work in our lives, use us this week, and uh, encourage our hearts as we try to encourage those around us. These things we ask in your name. Amen.